right. Welcome to Bedtime Stories for Paddlers podcast. I'm your host, Steve Barber. And on this podcast, we feature river stories from whitewater professionals such as kayakers, canoeists, river guides, swift water rescue pros, stand-up paddleboarders, and artists. Everyone has a story that will educate and entertain, and I know everyone has a bedtime story for us that will help our sphere of awareness grow and help us move with purpose down the river of life. Let's set shuttle and get this trip underway. I'm your TL, Steve Barber, and let's welcome our guests this evening on Bedtime Stories for Paddlers. Hey, Travis, this is Steve Barber hey. with the Bedtime Stories for Paddlers. How you doing, buddy? Good. How's it going? Oh, man, it's going all right. I got a beer in my hand. I hope you do, too. And uh, I'm just hanging out, wanting to talk about some paddling. Great. How are things over your way? They're good. Just been hanging out, working around the house. Yeah, a lot of us have been hanging out, working around the house these days. <laughs> Yeah. Cool, man. Well, what's the beer of choice tonight? Uh, I've actually got a whiskey ginger. Ooh, stepping it up. No Cosmos today. Nice. I like your style. <laughs> well, hey, hey, uh, hey that, that's fantastic, man. But, um, you know, what we're doing here is a podcast for Bedtime Stories for Paddlers. And um, what we do is we feature, you know, whitewater enthusiasts. Okay, like kayakers and canoeists, stand-up paddleboarders, swiftwater rescue pros, um, raft guides, and artists. And, you know, I have that artist category in there because, you know, I'm heavily into art, have an art background, my wife, and you know, we appreciate artists. And artists are always attracted to the water. You know, sometimes they're always attracted to this kind of industry, too. And you happen to bridge a couple of these uh, categories because you're a kayaker and you're an artist, right? Yes, yeah, that's right. Awesome, man. I know that, uh, you know, you got some um, journey, a whitewater journey that, that you know, has brought you to where you are with, with paddling. But you also got a lot of art action and um, just some of the things that I know about you that I want to introduce to our listeners here is that you uh, went to Buffalo State College there for ceramics. You got your MFA from Edinburgh, which we have common friends that went to Edinburgh and got their MFAs as well. Um, you just got back from Don Wright's ranch as a visiting artist, which I find just awesome, perfectly incredible, because Don Wright's was an incredible guy. Uh, you married a teacher that works in Morgantown, and you're the programs director at Touchstone Center for Crafts, right? That's correct. There's a bunch of stuff in there, man. Yeah. Stay busy. <laughs> you do stay busy. How do you find all the time to accomplish all that? that um, that's, a good, that's a good question. Uh, squeezing in an hour here and an hour there when you got it. Yeah, I hear you. Well, let's get to some of your art, but let's start out first with, um, you know, some of your whitewater experience. You know, what was your first whitewater experience that 
drew you into the to the world of whitewater? Yes, I moved out to you know southwestern Pennsylvania about a little over two and a half years ago, and you know just ended up hanging out in Ohio pile all the time. And it's pretty hard not to get into whitewater kayaking and rafting, you know, if you're there all the time. So I ended up taking a, a lesson with Wilderness Voyagers and been doing it since. Nice. What was the lesson like? Who was your teacher and stuff? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was great. So we had Josh Lowry was kind of like the lead instructor. The role whisperer. Yeah, the role whisperer. So I've been, you know, got to know him pretty well. And he's, I mean, he's helped me out a ton along the way with rolling and stuff. And then there was Quinn. I don't even know. Brissetta, I think it's, I don't know how to say his last name. And then there was uh, Keith, who works up at Wilderness as well, were the people in the group. So nice. it was a really good, good introduction to kayaking. What did you think when you first got in the kayaking and took to it? I had the time of my life. Nice. <laughs> why, why did you say, uh, I mean, I know that you're in Ohio pile and all that, but, but why did you say, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to kayak and not like raft or, you know, be a raft guide or anything else. Why did you, you know, sector in on kayaking? Oh, good question. I don't know. I grew up canoeing stuff a ton when I was younger. We used to go on my canoe trips. You know, like I'm from, I get well, upstate New York, but kind of on the border of Pennsylvania and New York, kind of right in the middle of the state in Corning, New York. And I used to go on canoeing trips quite a bit when I was younger. Um, so I kind of grew up on the water somewhat, but, you know, and just kayaking looks so fun. I also grew up like skateboarding a ton. Mm-hmm. I'm like one thing I've always kind of constantly did and it kind of, you know, fills that gap for me of something to be able to do that's, you know, gets your blood blood going a little bit. It's a little exciting, so. Oh, yeah. Kayaking will get your blood going for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think skateboarding will too, man. I, I got to give it to skateboarders. I think one of their, I think they're one of the most BA uh, athletes out there because they fire up some big stuff on, you know, four wheels and those babies aren't even attached to them. That, that's impressive. Yeah. Well, what is your... You know, if you were thinking back on your experience, um, just on rivers in general, what do you think maybe one of your favorite stories were or memories were that you would, you know, could share with us that, you know, you have in your mind there? I mean, I don't know if there's anyone that can even really particular. I've only been kayaking for a little over a year, so um, every time I'll be, It doesn't have yeah. to be kayaking. It could be rafting and, you know, canoeing or whatever, you know. Oh yeah, I've only been rafting once. So that was the rafting was pretty fun. That was my bachelor party. A bunch of my friends came down, and we all went rafting. Nice. Um, kind of canoeing. I the canoe trip we used to go on when I was younger. It's like a trip my dad and his friends started doing when they were, I think, like seventeen or eighteen. They've been doing for like thirty years. So we'd go down to Pine Creek every year. Um, I think right around March sometime in March. Um, that was always a real fun time, just hanging out with my dad and his friends. I, I canoe all day, we camp at night, get up and canoe the next day too. That was always really good times. And this is in upstate New York in March, in canoes? Uh, 
This was in uh, PA Grand Canyon. Okay. okay. So right across the border in Pennsylvania there. It's still going to be pretty chilly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in March. Yeah, it's just, the last time I went, we woke up in the morning, and I think there was like six inches of snow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's good. Anytime you mix snow and a story with, with paddling, it just ups the ante right there. Yeah. Not a fan. nice and i'm sure everyone had top of the line you know dry suits and no god no (laughs) not at all nice that fire never felt so good eh yeah nice well that's awesome man well what do you think like your next whitewater adventure is going to be i know we're all kind of like stuck at home right now and um we don't know what our next whitewater adventure is going to be, but what do you want your next whitewater to be like coming right out of the gates here? Oh man. Uh, right now I just want to get out and get on the water. Me too. I don't know. It's been, you know, for me, it's been just really like moving to this area. has been pretty, like I have, it like really helped me meet people. So just getting to meet new people and paddling and hanging out. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I don't know. Camping definitely would be good. Nice. Camping and kayaking, so. Yeah, the old camping kayaking trip is, yeah, that's a good way to go. And that's yeah. a good way to go. Well, cool. So you moved to Hopwood, and that's just a, kind of at the base of the summit there. And you got maybe, I don't know, like, what, 17 minutes to get to a high pile. So you're going to be doing a lot of boating in your future. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Nice, man. Definitely. And the roll sessions is where we met um, with Wilderness Voyagers and the Wells Adventure Program. And you came there and were getting some kayak instruction in the wintertime, uh, being able to be in the roll session. How, what do you think of that program and that, that opportunity there? I think it's great. I think it's, uh, I mean, again, for me, like just getting out and meeting people was huge. I'm a pretty, uh, pretty quiet person at first so it was really good to like be in that environment get to meet people um definitely be able to work on your role kind of be in that environment around those people you want to hang out with yeah it's good for networking find out who you can paddle with and uh, yeah i mean i feel like i've kept in touch with a lot of the people i've been at those so nice and josh you know he's always there doing the whisper for folks and helping them get their roles yeah. It's good to have him there. And it's nice to, that you come there and frequent the role sessions too. Awesome, man. Yeah, a, Go ahead. No, there's just a good good community of people around the area to get out and go kayaking with, which is really nice. Yeah, I agree. Well, what do you think uh, of mixing the two? Like for you, what what draws you to the whitewater and draws you to clay? Are there any um, connections there? Are they totally two opposite things that you just enjoy or, you know, what's, what's up with that? Yeah, I would guess they're pretty much just two opposite things really. Um, I mean, a lot of what I make is inspired kind of by what goes around me. I mean, right now kind of being in this area is a lot of like nature themed kind of work in a really weird kind of way, but um, 
you know, that kind of comes out. And I always love being outside regardless. So I feel like that kind of tends to be what a lot of my work focuses on. Mm -hmm. I'm checking out some of your work right now on the computer. And, uh, you know, you're, you're more of a sculptural type of ceramic artist for sure. But uh, how would you describe your ceramic artwork if you were asked to do so? I'm sure you've been asked a million times, but um, how, how do you describe your artwork? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, a big, it's figurative for the most part. Um, it's a lot of animals, um, broad-based broad figures, kind of, you know, there's some figures in there, not real hyper-realistic, but kind of, I guess, believable is kind of how I would explain it, believable realism. Um, but yeah, working with a lot of animals, very narrative works. I really like to create stories behind my work. Um, I really kind of, I mean, nothing's better than to me is just to hear what people, how people interpret what my work is about. Cause if you, if you check it out, if you, I mean, if you're looking at it right now, you kind of, you know, there's each of my pieces kind of has my own personal narrative behind it, but then no one ever understands what I'm talking about with it. So it's really kind of fun to hear kind of how people interpret what, they think it's about mm -hmm. well i'm looking at some of the work now and it's you know just for our listeners that that can't see it you know um i see like animals like a rhinoceros with a you know a, a person on top of it and all that's on top of a cinder block and you know there's like a, a pig with a person or a cat riding being ridden by a person and you know, you had topped on or um, mentioned narrative. There's a tremendous amount of narrative going on in your work. How long do some of these pieces take you to make? Um, some of the works take me about six months to finish a piece. Um, it really just kind of depends on the amount of studio time I have. Kind of before I moved to this area, I was kind of working more as like a full-time artist. Um, so I was getting through a piece, you know, a piece a month, maybe two months on a piece. Um, now with balancing between working a full-time job and kind of everything else I have going on, it usually takes me about six months, you know, four to six months to finish a kind of a full figured piece. That's some time. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty excruciating at that point <laughs> to focus that long on one thing, but yeah. And you don't always, want to misfire these things, you know, yeah, it looks like you probably have pretty good uh, um, success in your firing rate, huh? Yeah, I could. Well, I could sit here and talk about surface all day with everybody. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like methods I use. I've kind of figured out how to get what I want out of the materials I'm using and everything. So I pretty much know what I'm getting more often than not. So. Not to say there's not things that happen that you have to get fixed, like have to fix, but after you ruin enough things, you kind of get used to just having to basically glue them back together and fix them. So, do you have a lot of broken pieces at your house all all glued together? Um, not really. I'm more often than not, they stay together. But you know, it happens. You know, every Clay's real good at letting you know when you're uh, rushing things or if you did something wrong. So, and it likes to remind you that it's in charge and not you. So, yeah, kind of like the river. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely, exactly like that. <laughs> there definitely are some uh, similarities between Clay and the river. 
Um, yeah, you get overconfident, it will uh, it will knock you down a peg or two. Yeah, yeah. And the first clay was found by the river, uh, you know, by by folks, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there are a lot of similarities. Uh, personally, to me, um, I was definitely drawn to clay, but it just seemed like. You know, there was clay on the riverbanks where I grew up and you could mine it out of there or not really mine it, but just like get it from, from there. And, you know, if you had some ways to get the rocks out and stuff and find a decent vein, you could actually fire it to, you know, low temperature and make stuff if you wanted to, if you, if you went that route with found, found clay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So now my, now my thing, but, um, you know, I got a lot of friends that dig their own clay and, Man, it's, it's like the best and worst material ever to work with. So <laughs> yeah, I agree. And it's there's too many variables when you dig your own clay. I mean, yeah, you, you have to have scientific, you know, uh, alchemy, you know, essentially to kind of get exactly the clay you want to work with the materials you want. There's a lot that goes yeah. into it. I mean, constant testing, yeah. constant testing, constant failure, essentially, until you kind of figure out what you're doing. Yeah. Now I see that you're doing face jugs. Yeah. So I've been making face jugs for off and on kind of for a couple of years. Um, so from right out of grad school, I moved down to Asheville, North Carolina. And it's like North Carolina is the epicenter of face jugs. Um, so you know, I kind of got into making them when I was down there, just kind of being around them. I kind of like hate traditional face jugs. So I just kind of had this, I don't know. I love making things that I hate in a way, like making objects of things that are like really funny to me. So kind of working with them and seems like I can't get away from making them because I enjoy them so much. Nice. They're, they're cool. They're really cool. I I especially like some of the ones that I'm seeing with like things spilled on the top of the head and you know, the, the gesture that, that the face jug is making because of that spill or what the material may be and they're yeah. pretty cool. Do you have any, uh, do you have any, um, uh, ideas to maybe push those to 64 ounce growlers? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be a great idea. So I probably have to slip cast them so they'd be accurate. Um, I know there's a lot of weird state regulations about using ceramic growlers. I oh, don't really? know how, Pen- yeah, I don't know how Pennsylvania is about it, but I know, I think it was in North Carolina. They wouldn't let you fill ceramic growlers because you can't see inside of it. Wow! So, so like the beer can get contaminated, and they don't want like you know all of the whole food regulations and stuff. So I think it might be state by state. So it could be something that you could do in PA and actually get away with. So well, I I would hope so in PA that you could get away with that. I'm from West Virginia and you could definitely get away with it there. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, West Virginia folks just do in other parts of the world. People want to overregulate, but yeah, I, I think these, I think the the growler would be cool, man. <laughs> and I think you take it up to Pappy's, you take that growler right. up to Pappy's, they'll, they'll fill it up for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll try it. I'll make. I'll just bring one of the and sixty-four ounces and have to hold up. If they do it, <laughs> they'll do it. I guarantee you. They're nice yeah. up there. They're oh nice yeah, up. I love that place. 
Me too. Me too. They got some good food, but they even got better beer. And some of the beers that's, uh, that I've been really liking up there is from a Laurel Highlands brewing company, like a local brewing company. Yeah. I haven't had any of their beer. I've had like one or two of their beers and I like them. So. Yeah. What's the, what's the beer of choice that you're drinking craft craft wise these days? Oh God. Um, I like the hazy IPAs. Yeah. Um, you know, Sierra Nevada is like one of the hazy little things real good. Yeah. Hazy little thing. Yeah. I got to support my uh, Southern tier beer though. You got uh, the new juice is real good. Have you had is that? There, like, have you had that Elvis juice? Oh, the Elvis juice is good. Yeah. That's a good one. It is. I'm drinking the new Belgium right now. And uh, I just kind of found out, I've always kind of known about New Belgian or Fat Tire, excuse me, but I just kind of uh, found out that they're a big advocate for clean water uh, through an article that I read in American Whitewater this month. Do you have a subscription to American Whitewater? Do you follow that? I don't have one. Man, you should you should uh, become a member of American Whitewater. Um, it's a really good thing to get into because you know it's an organization that unites uh, paddlers' voice and and their funds to um, help uh, create river access on different places that are threatened in America, and it's essentially just like a watchdog in Congress that goes after yeah. people. Uh, man, I highly recommend, I recommend uh, being a member of the American Whitewater, but they got a magazine yeah. that they send out and it's awesome. You can learn different things about different rivers and people that are running them. And, um, man, here at Bedtime Stories for Paddlers, we love those guys. So yeah, definitely check it out. It's definitely something I'm interested in. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just learning about all these different things now. So, oh yeah. You know, you're. You're, you're in our uh, organization, not our organization, but you're in our community of boaters here in Fayette County, PA. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to take you into the old wing and, and show you, you know, show you what's good, what's not, you know, we might even sell you a ticket, uh, you know, but sell you a ticket in our boat, but you really probably only need the edge. And some of the adventures that people can get you into around here with this white water. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as I was just saying, I'm really looking forward just to meeting new people and hanging out. So nice. Well, you're an awesome guest, man. We appreciate you being in the area. Look forward to hanging out with you more. Want to say a super big thank you to uh, taking some of your time and telling us some of your bedtime stories. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for thanks for calling me and letting me be a part of it. So awesome, awesome. Well, you have a good night. Tell the 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 wife and congratulations, man. You just got newly married, and uh, you know, tell the wife thank you for for giving us a little of your time. I uh, will do, will do, and I'm, she looks forward to getting to see you guys. So yeah, we can't wait to see you too. We'll we'll yeah. be we'll be out after all this stuff's you know, moves through and it, it will. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you. You have a great night. All right, you too. All right. Peace, bro. Bye. All right. Hey, thank you so much, Travis, for being part of the podcast this evening. And thank you to all our listeners out there. 
It's our intention to archive stories from the whitewater paddling community, and we look forward to talking with more kayakers, raft guides, canoeists, swiftwater rescue professionals, stand-up paddleboarders, and artists like Travis. It's great having this fabric of people in our community that are so diverse. We're lucky. I'm hoping that this collection of education will increase our sphere of awareness on the river and help us move with purpose on our journey downstream. Thank you, everyone, and have sweet dreams.